Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Plant Powered People Podcast with your hosts, Michelle Kane and Tony Okamoto. Today, we are excited to bring our friend Alexis Soto, who we were very lucky to have the pleasure of hanging out with her for like five days uh, sometime last year. It was really great to hang out with her and get to know her a little bit better. And we decided then that would be awesome to have her on our podcast. She specializes in bringing her culture to the world in a way that's approachable and accessible. And so we have her on talking about how to bridge the the gap between our cultural identity and food and our plant-based lifestyle. And she does a really great job. We hope you appreciate this episode as much as we do. We know that the food that our families have brought us up to eat is such a part of our identity and it can be overwhelming when stepping into the plant-based lifestyle. So hope you love this as much as we do and enjoy. A quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors of this episode. The first is Maxine's Heavenly Cookies. They make homestyle healthier for you cookies that are made with natural ingredients and without empty calories. So that's what really sets them apart. They're really proud that they make these delicious cookies using unrefined sugars. Many cookies that are marketed as healthy are made with highly refined sweeteners like monk fruit and stevia and erythritol and, and other things that your body can't really digest. So um, we're big fans of Maxine's. Yes, we love cookies big time. And Maxine's is doing a great job with their soft baked cookies and their brand new crispy cookies. I have mentioned this before and I'll say it again. I love the chocolate chip cookies. They're so good. And you can have some too. You can get them at maxinesheavenly.com and use the code PLANTS25. That is P-L-A-N-T-S 25 to save 25%. We also want to thank our next sponsor, Natrieve. They're a certified plastic neutral and carbon neutral wellness company, and they make Moolis animal-free whey protein powder that actually offers identical nutrition to whey that comes from cows, but without harming cows. They also make it with no added sugar, zero artificial colors or artificial flavors or artificial sweeteners, none of the yucky stuff. Moolis is available in four delicious flavors, including vanilla bean cupcake, chocolate fudge brownie, strawberry shortcake, and cookies and cream. You can find Moolis online at natrieve.com and you can get $10 off of your first purchase there. You can also find it on amazon.com and the vitamin shop and fresh time locations across the United States. We also want to give a big thanks to Natrieve. They are a certified plastic neutral and carbon neutral wellness company. They make Moolis, which is an animal free whey protein powder. It offers identical nutrition to traditional whey that comes from cows, but it's all without any added sugar. There's no artificial colors, no artificial flavors, no artificial sweeteners, none of the bad stuff, just lots of protein. They also come in four delicious flavors. You can get it in vanilla bean cupcake. That sounds delicious. Chocolate fudge brownie, strawberry shortcake, and cookies and cream. You can find Moolis online at natrieve.com. That is N-A-T-R-E-V-E.com. And you can get $10 off of your first purchase. And you can also get it on amazon.com and the vitamin shop and fresh time locations across the country. 
Hi, Alexa. Welcome to the Plant Powered People podcast. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be here. We are excited to be chatting with you. Um, Okay. So will you start off by just sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do? Of course. Um, So my name is Alexa Soto. I am a food blogger. I'm on social media and I have been for the past mm, seven years as Alexa Fueled Naturally. Um, I'm from San Diego, California. I'm Mexican-American and I've been vegan for probably eight years now. So it's been a while, not as long as you two, but um, it seems like a long time. And yeah, that's kind of like a little biography, short little bio. (laughs) Yes. If you're not following Alexa on social media, you have to do it. Her food is absolutely stunning. And her aesthetic is... I'm sure you hear that all the time, but you have like a whole vibe going on with your with your content. It's so beautiful. And it also makes me feel relaxed and like I want to enjoy whatever you're eating with you as a friend. Do you hear that often? (laughs) I do. It's really nice. Like people say that like my aesthetic is just like calming, but it's more so like, um, I think my, a lot of my aesthetic is just like my culture and me tapping into like the more traditional ways of cooking Mexican food and you know, especially. Um, But yeah, I think it's really nice that people can see, you know, Mexican culture as something more than what they're maybe used to, which is like Americanized Mexican cuisine. There's so much more to it. Um, So I really tap into my culture to like bring, yes, an aesthetic, but at the end of the day, it's just me trying to like be authentic to, um, to me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And that's something I really appreciate about you is that you share how you don't have to sacrifice to maintain plant-based lifestyle and also love your culture. And I feel like when I was younger and came from a family who were deeply rooted in cultural foods, um, I that was something I was concerned about is how am I going to eat my family's food? And especially when you come from a culture that really um, expresses a love and affection through food sharing, um, mm-hmm. it it just becomes a little bit overwhelming and you make it seem so seamless. And I would like to... Ch- Michelle and I brought you on today specifically to talk about that. Maybe, um, maybe people aren't all Mexican, but I feel like the same concept applies to everyone whether their um whether their cuisine is here in the United States like they love barbecuing or mm-hmm. uh or they love their Vietnamese food or Chinese food or Guatemalan food and um and so yeah I'm really excited to dive in today yeah I'm one so of the interesting too. things is that almost every culture has one thing in common <laughs> And that is that the food is not at all remotely vegan. <laughs> so we almost every human being on the planet, not there are some some cultures, especially like microcosms where the food is plant-based, but it's something that we all sort of experience on one level or another is this way of um, changing from the food that we were used to, that we grew up around that represents our families and and our our 
entire history of ancestors for a long, long time back. So it is, it is so, um, relatable. And I just wanted to say, Alexa, another thing that I just really appreciate about your work and your recipes is, um, it takes food that feels to me a little bit intimidating as someone who didn't grow up cooking Mexican food. Sometimes I think like, oh, chili rellenos. Like, I don't even know how to go about attempting that. And when I see your snappy reel videos or just how you demonstrate how to cook food, it makes it accessible and me think, oh my gosh, I actually could make that and it would be totally (laughs) delicious. So like the vegan part aside, you're just making um, your cultural foods more accessible to everyone, which I think is so cool and special. Oh, thanks, Michelle. Yeah, it means a lot. Like, I really want to reach people who, yes, are Mexican American or just Mexican and are struggling because they want to go vegan and their families aren't supportive of it because their idea of vegan food is just, I don't know, a salad or a smoothie. And so I get a lot of messages from people from my culture saying, like, thank you so much. This helps me so much. But I also get messages from, like, you, Michelle, people who are not in the culture that, have interest. And it it really makes me happy that it could show other sides of Mexican food online. Because um, I think especially when I first went vegan seven years ago, like the idea of Mexican food was like a burrito bowl or just um, foods that weren't necessarily actually Mexican. Um, and so I feel like there was always a need for that, uh, more like authentic ways of cooking, but vegan. Um, so I'm glad to finally bring that because it took me a while to get comfortable with doing that. Cause I feel like maybe you guys can relate to this, but back eight, 10 years ago in the vegan space, I think most people were just doing very similar recipes. And I think we maybe all fell into like, okay, let's share like the nourish bowls. And those are great, but there's so much room for people to share their culture in the vegan space too. And I think people are really coming around to it and it makes it more accessible and relatable to people from all different types of the world and walks of life. You mentioned that uh, when you started, you you felt a little bit, um, would you say like self-conscious to express your culture? Or I think so. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think because of like what I just said and that, like how Mexican food has been represented online is not authentic. Um, and there wasn't very many people that came from Mexican culture in the vegan space. So I felt a little like discouraged, um, when I would share some of my family recipes, maybe it just didn't hit home for people. And I think I, it really has changed because video is such a focal point in social media now, whereas a photo, it's kind of hard to, you know, if it's just a photo, people could see it. But like Michelle said, maybe you look at it and think, well, that looks difficult. How am I going to do that? But with video, it gives people like, you know, people learn by seeing. Um, So I think that's really helped of people like opening their minds to different types of foods. I love personally seeing, um, other people share their cultural foods, like Asian foods and Indian foods. I love to see it like being made because I've always been curious how to do it authentically. Um, So yeah, I think video has really changed the game for people sharing all sorts of recipes. And there are stories attached to it, which I really appreciate too. Um, 
learning about why that recipe is imp- important to someone or how um, how it's a staple in, in their culture uh, mm-hmm. is really, really cool. So when you first started, did you have anyone that was um, a resource to you? Like for me, I remember when Viva Vegan came out by Terry Hope Romero. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the best thing. It has like zero pictures in it, but it had recipes that were vegan and um, Mexican. So mm-hmm. that was a resource for me. But what was your go-to or who was your go-to person? Did you feel supported at all? Or were you just trying to veganize your family's recipes? I would say when it comes to creating Mexican vegan food, it really is just looking at my family recipes and getting creative with how I can make it vegan. I When I went vegan, my parents were like, what are you doing? <laughs> they were just like not very convinced that this was going to work because again, like their idea of vegan food was nowhere near what it is now. Like they're so supportive, but they were just really concerned about how I was going to go to family events and what I was going to tell my aunts. And, and, um, so I kind of took it upon myself to say, okay, like I can do this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to veganize all the family dishes and it's taken practice for sure. But I think over the years have gotten a little bit better in the kitchen and I feel like confident with sharing my recipes. How do you deal with mm-hmm, the pushback in, in your family that I think everyone, regardless of of which culture um, they belong to, experiences? I, there's, there's, there are people in my family, for example, who are like, that is not Mexican food mm-hmm. because it is not with beef or whatever mm-hmm. meat you can swap in there. Do you ever have that pushback from your family or has it been easy peasy? Um, I haven't gotten pushback from my family really. Um, I think, I think maybe in the beginning I've got, I got, I received a little bit more, you know, comments from my uncles, like just making jokes that I'm vegan. <laughs> but I think over the time they just realize that it's something that's not just like, um, a phase. It's something that I'm really serious about. So they respect my decisions. And a lot of the times they get really curious, like my family members to try whatever vegan food it is. Um, so yeah, luckily I haven't gotten pushback from family, definitely online. You know, you're always going to get the pushback from people who are very close minded. Um, but yeah, for my family, I've gotten pretty great support. Michelle, have you dealt with that? I know from so I cook, as you all can imagine, a lot. And we have many different cultures. Um, I guess not many, but a few different cultures to cater to. And one of them is my husband's Jewish culture. And we just mm-hmm. celebrated a major um, a major holiday that is surrounded by food. And as someone who's really new, I feel self-conscious because I'm not sure if I'm doing things right. And I had never eaten the non-vegan thing. So I'm not sure if my matzo balls are fluffy enough or mm. not doughy enough. <laughs> so um, Michelle, I would love for you to talk a little bit about your culture too and how you how you 
are able to make swaps when there's something that's culturally significant. For example, a Seder plate. Yeah. So my family is Jewish as well. And um, I grew up around a lot of cultural foods, but it's actually interesting because when I went vegan, I didn't really have the passion for for looking, learning to cook or like a chef inside me didn't jump out and suddenly start veganizing my family recipes, which I think that would have made the whole transition for my whole family a little bit warmer because the, the, the weight to carry of veganizing those recipes wouldn't have ever felt like it was falling on my family who I was eating with. It would have been me bringing that to the table, which I think Alexa, that's probably one of the reasons why you've had such a warm response is you're bringing delicious food that is familiar and culturally relevant to your family and they see and admire and respect that. I just kind of bowed out of traditions for a while. Uh, But my mom was pretty amazing. She like over Passover, she would take it upon herself to make vegan matzo ball soup. And like, I remember the first year the matzo balls looked great. And then we put them in the, in the broth and they all disintegrated. (laughs) And that's happened to me like 15 (laughs) times since. Um, but we've gotten to a point with our family where like our recipes are solid and they're really good. And, you know, a lot of things are just either naturally vegan or easy to veganize like latkes and and uh, I recently veganized a noodle kugel dish, was, which was something that uh, had been in our family for a long time. And it feels really good to do that. But the interesting thing is that in today's world with so many people sort of changing their dietary habits or, or going vegan, um, not everyone is born a chef or with a passion of cooking. Like some people would prefer to go through life not having to think about that, not having to cook their own dishes. Um, but when you go vegan and you want to find a way to eat your cultural cultural foods, a lot of times you you do need to kind of step into that role. And I think the internet and channels like yours, Alexa, and just Instagram reels that just make it so quick and easy and accessible for people who are young and don't innately have that like passion that they grew up with learning to love cooking are able to more quickly like step into that and develop the love for creating food vegan. Or older. Uh, Mm -hmm. We hear from people all the time who are not 20 years old or not 25 or not even 45 or not even 55 uh, who are just stepping into plant-based eating and are feeling great and are wanting to incorporate their culture into the dishes that they're making Mm plant-based, which is so, so cool. Yeah, it is great. And like Michelle said, like it takes time. Like I feel like, like you said, it took years for you guys to start creating your cultural dishes and or veganizing them. And so for anyone who's like new to it, I think, like with the whole thing of like family acceptance and um, and veganizing your family recipes, there needs to be like patience that comes with it. Because for me, you know, going to family parties the first few years of being vegan, there was nothing for me to eat. And that's fine. I'd have to bring my, my own food. But now my aunt will make sure that she makes a pot of vegan beans and then she'll make sure that the rice is she'll make it with vegetable stock so and that took like five to six years for that to start to happen but I think it's just so sweet same with my mom like when she makes dinner for everyone she now is making cashew cream which before she like never made and now she'll 
it like warmed my heart the other night. It was like the first time she made it. And she's like, yeah, I see you do it all the time. Like, I know how to do this. And I'm like, okay, mom. Um, So it was really exciting. But like that took seven years, you know, like I didn't expect for my parents or my family members to immediately you know, be like, okay, well, let's just veganize these things because it takes time for them to learn. It takes time for people to, you know, get accustomed to it because they've only known one way for their entire life. So you also have to remember that. That's kind of the central theme of this podcast, I'd say, is that being really patient and kind and modeling your um, love of plant-based foods and sharing those tasty dishes with the people you love will maybe seven <laughs> years from now <laughs> make people interested and want to accommodate you. And Michelle and I have seen that in our own in our in our own friend groups, in our own family, where the biggest meat lovers have later, a decade later, come around and been like, hey, I watched this documentary and um I'm a little bit more open to hearing more about the food and that warms our heart and makes makes all of the internal frustrations that you have maybe felt over the years worth it. A hundred percent. Yeah. What would you, okay. So what would you, for people who are just stepping into plant-based what are the first steps to tying in their cultural identity and their foods? Would that be um, browsing TikTok, browsing Instagram? Yeah, I think that would be a really good first step. You have there's so much support and so many people sharing their cultures through food and veganism that TikTok is an amazing place because um, again, like seeing everything in video just. Um, is usually helpful for people. Um, And then I would just say, you have to just look at your culture's foods and think, okay, like where are the vegan foods within uh, my culture? With Mexican food, it's like we have beans and rice. Okay, that's great. But then as you guys know, like, or maybe some people that are listening don't know, like if you go to a Mexican restaurant, a lot of the times the rice is made with chicken stock um, and then the beans have lard in them. So that's just an easy swap with vegetable broth. So at home you can make it with vegetable broth. And if you have a family member who, you know, cooks for you, you can say, hey, like, do you think you could switch this, you know, chicken stock with vegetable stock? There's just like little swaps you can make. I feel like it takes time. Like we said, there's patience and time and finding what products work for you. For me, I know that like the most flavorful vegetable broth is in a bouillon paste. So I'll get that because that really tastes very similar to using the chicken stock my mom used for us growing up. So you just have to find the right products um, to replace those things. Um, and yeah, just find this community online would be amazing too. I think that really helps as well, like finding your community online, um, someone that you can look to for recipes. And then oftentimes on TikTok, there's always so many great comments of people being very supportive and saying, hey, like, thank you so much. Like, I come from this culture. This is helpful. So I feel like there's so many people that you can really turn to in the online space. Yes. And not only for recipes, but also for 
warmth. Uh, I feel like part of what Alexa offers on her platform is not just recipes, but also a kind and friendly person to be online friends with. Yesterday, I was watching her husband and and her uh, do a beverage demo. <laughs> demo. Uh, they make beverages and um, and they're just answering questions and they do this on a regular basis. They also host cooking classes where they're very interactive and you can with Alexa and also a lot of, a lot of other creators find people and ask them the questions they are available. And, uh, and I think that that's really special. Yeah, I think there definitely are people who are willing to answer your questions. There's a lot of creators who do like Q&As and I get, I should, this has inspired me to do like maybe a cultural one, but every time I do a QA, and a um, people ask so many questions about like culture and how do you get your family to come around to you being vegan and what's the best, uh, I don't know, replacement for something. So there's always people that are willing to help. You just have to ask. <laughs> I love the tips that you shared about some cooking hacks like using bouillon paste. Do you have any others that you've come across that you think would be helpful for people who are maybe exploring their own their own family recipes and trying to veganize them? Yeah. Um, well, a lot of cultures have meat in the center of their um of their, you know, dishes of their cultures. So, um you have to I think a really great thing is to look at, okay, if you're replacing chicken and you don't have access to vegan chicken, like some of us have, um, you can also turn to vegetables like mushrooms and not just like your classic portobello or like cremini mushrooms. There's amazing mushrooms like oyster mushrooms and lion's mane mushrooms. And those ones can usually be found in like Asian markets, which is really great. And they're usually at a really great price or if you have local farmers markets. But I think when you are in a vegan diet or in a lifestyle and you're exploring this for the first time, you'll be surprised by how many vegetables you've never even seen in your life before. I think your eyes open up in a different way and um, you get to try new vegetables and things that are like, can come in and replace meat. So I would say mushrooms. There's also jackfruit, which is amazing. Also found at Asian markets. Asian markets are amazing for so many things because these are foods that these cultures, Asian cultures have been eating and enjoying forever. And luckily we can use those and implement them into our cultures as well. Um, so I would say the meat part is probably the hardest for people and just finding those replacements um, can really make it a little bit of an easier transition. And you'll be surprised. Some people think they don't like mushrooms until they try all the different varieties. And, you know, there's different techniques on how to cook mushrooms properly. Um, so yeah, I think just finding those swaps. I think, I think that having a really open mind and also being flexible with something that doesn't taste exactly like you remember it. Like, uh, (laughs) like I tried to make, um, I've tried to make a, a jackfruit, a jackfruit brisket and did not turn out like a regular brisket. That <laughs> sounds like it'd be really hard. 
<laughs> yeah, it was it was a challenge, but uh, I used a recipe I had never tested for a very important event and mm. didn't work out well for me. And it was okay. It was good. But I just let my guests know, this is a new jackfruit dish. I didn't say, this is brisket. Like this is going to blow your mind and taste exactly like brisket. And because it was good and, um, and packed with flavor, my guests still enjoyed it. But if I had said, this is going to be your brisket replacement and it's going to taste exactly the same, my meat loving guests would not have bought that. So just being a little bit flexible and being okay, that something isn't going to exactly replicate um, meat or dairy it will take you far. Yes, I agree. That's a very good point, Tony, because oftentimes you have to remember that. Sometimes I'll get so excited. I mean, I haven't eaten meat in seven years, but I'll get really excited and make, I don't know, the other day I made carnitas, which is just like shredded beef um, or pork. I'm not sure. One of those. And um, I made it and I had my parents over and I was so excited. I made it with jackfruit and mushrooms. And I think the flavor was there, but for a meat eater, like they're looking for that texture, I think. And I was super excited to give it to my dad and he liked it, but I was expecting him to be like, this tastes like the exact same thing I'm used to. And it wasn't that. And I was a little disappointed, but like you said, Tony, you have to remember that. Um, it's not always going to be exactly the same. The flavor can be there, but sometimes the texture, you just can't get it there sometimes. And that's okay. It's a lot of pressure to put on our, that, that we often tend to put on ourselves as vegans uh, from both ends of the equation, <laughs> yeah. whether you're cooking for family or whether you're attending a family event. If you're cooking for family, obviously, like you want them to love your food. You want them to walk away being like, oh my God, why am I not vegan? This tastes the same. It's even better. It's healthier. I actually feel good. I don't feel sluggish at the end of the night. Like you won me over with this dish. And we... we don't need to put that, that sort of expectation or pressure on. And, and in fact, mm-hmm. having any sort of even like hope that that sort of result will happen just sets you up for letdown where as if you're just sharing good food with no strings attached, like it feels good. You walk away feeling good almost all the time. And the same thing like when you're dining with family and you're like one of the things that I always expected was nothing. Like I just went to any event ever mm-hmm. expecting nothing. And I've been doing that since I was like eight when I went vegetarian. I'd be like, all right, I'll make my own pasta at Thanksgiving and that's what I'll eat. Like, And so <laughs> I, I was never disappointed. I never had that feeling of like, oh my God, nothing here can I eat because I just didn't expect to. But then as you mentioned, like over time, over the years, as family starts kind of learning and more things start appearing on the table and I learned to cook better and it just like each little gift. It's not even like a win. It's just like a gift because I didn't come expecting it is so exciting and so rewarding. And there's so much gratitude around it that I think, um, if you go with that perspective, the gratitude warms the other person too. So it feels good all around when you're feeling grateful. But if you go into a situation and you're like grumpy about it, that rubs off the opposite way. (laughs) Yes, Uh, to all those around you and you leave feeling not the best. So yeah, Yeah, that's such a good point. And I also want to say that 
I know we we talked a lot about like patience and, you know, it took years for our families to come around and start veganizing. But I also think that nowadays, if we had all gone vegan today in 2022, maybe your family would be more open to it. Like, because I mean, there's just so much buzz around veganism. So it's a little bit less intimidating for people to grasp. Um, so it might be faster. I don't want to discourage anyone thinking, oh my gosh, seven years, I have to wait. Like your family can definitely come around to it a lot quicker. And because again, I mean, you see vegan everywhere in fast food chains. Um, so I think it can be a lot faster of a process of acceptance. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to add that in. Yes. And also the same advice about going to a gathering and bringing something to share with everyone also applies here. And you can focus on creating something that your family would enjoy because it's familiar to them. And so instead of making um, a quinoa, kale, Brussels sprout salad um, to take to your family who loves Southern food, (laughs) instead there are lots of there's actually have a book called the southern vegan and Mm. and there are whole websites and accounts dedicated to making southern vegan food so you can go and make something that has familiar tastes and textures um again it may not be the exact same but they might be able to get on board and they may appreciate it and like it and uh I am always happy when a dish that I made is finished at the end of the the meal. Oh, yeah. It's the best, especially with a group of (laughs) non-vegans. Yeah. And I also wanted to add to that, that um, with going to gatherings, I think it's always good to bring something, especially if you're the vegan one, because you need to feed yourself, but you also want others to maybe try your food. I also think um, oftentimes if you can bring something baked and if you do just put it on the table quietly and walk away, even maybe if it's not even something baked, but if you have really good, if you have a lot of confidence in what you're bringing, don't say anything. Sometimes I just put some cookies on the table and I walk away and then everyone's eating them. And then later I'll let them know because I've learned the hard way. I've said these are vegan cookies to a group of non-vegan people and they're it's like the talk of the party. I don't know if this has happened to you, Tony or Michelle, but they're like, oh, did you try the vegan cookies? Oh, they're actually pretty good. It's like it changes their whole mindset going into it when they know they're vegan. <laughs> exactly. I, and some people, when you tell them beforehand, they're like, oh, vegan. I don't even want... Yeah. I, have a, <laughs> I have a family member who is... It, it can be french fries labeled vegan and if it says vegan on them it totally changes the whole situation (laughs) even if it's something that they love normally so um totally that's so funny (laughs) i wanted to share a completely unrelated thing my brother once sent me this picture of water that was labeled vegan like on the actual printed label (laughs) someone labeled the water vegan i've seen that (laughs) it's like i've seen a meme on that (laughs) 
Yeah, but so and it's pretty well. I mean, it's studied among companies that what does it do to add the word vegan to a label, and it makes it non-appealing to people who don't identify as vegan, even though it's signifying nothing more than there's no animal products in here. It has this. It could be a product that's already vegan, and just mm-hmm. putting that label on it. If people don't identify with that word, they can think, oh, does that mean it's made with weird ingredients or something different? And it's not. And I I also think that's a beautiful thing with cult with um g- veganizing cultural foods in a way that's not necessarily using the specialty ve- specialty items like plant-based meats and everything and instead turning creatively to vegetables and different whole foods is that it reminds people that this is not a weird different way of eating you're just turning to the five bazillion plant foods out there that we've been maybe not paying so much attention to and incorporating it into our ever more colorful diet alexa this has been so helpful i actually feel really inspired to go and just cook more of your recipes i've been i've been itching to diversify my diet and i feel like i've been stuck in a bit of a rut lately so I need to just get back on the perusing Instagram and TikTok reels and start finding some interesting (laughs) dishes to try. And I always love going beyond what I'm familiar with. So anyway, do you have any advice to share with people who are looking to either veganize their cultural foods or um, just kind of how to approach that step into living vegan? when you have really strong cultural foods tied to your family and the way that you're used to living? Sure. Yeah. Um, I think a really, I think we, we pretty much covered um, a lot of that and that's just one being patient with your family and just having that grace with them as well. And grace with yourself, you're, and if you're entering veganism for the first time and you feel a little overwhelmed, be patient with yourself. Take things slowly. Look at the dishes that you really already like and see how you can make those easy swaps. You don't have to give up every anything that you used to love. Um, you can just make those little swaps here and there. Turn to people online that come from the same culture as you. I guarantee you'll feel a lot more supported and less alone if you're feeling a little alone and and making this big change and your family might not understand or be as supportive. There's always people online that are going to understand and who will want to support you. Um, but yeah, I would just say give yourself grace, give those around you grace and um, everything will fall into its place and you'll be soon going to events and family gatherings where hopefully they're making all your cultural dishes vegan as well, or at least trying to. That's the dream. The other really (laughs) nice thing about social media, I know there's a lot not to love about the algorithms that are used by Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and all of that. But the more that you find and engage with the things that you want to be tuning into. So like if you're engaging with vegan Mexican food recipes or whatever, vegan Ethiopian food recipes, like pick your culture, um, it it will just natively start showing you more creators who are are doing that same type of work. And it's been really nice just without even meaning to kind of 
having that help me navigate towards some new different content, but stuff that I want to be tuning into. So if you're wondering, like, how do I find these people? How do I find these resources? Of course, just type it into Google, vegan XYZ food or content creators Mm -hmm. or restaurants, even it's pretty exciting seeing uh, when I lived in Oakland, mm-hmm. there was a vegan Filipino restaurant and food truck. There was like uh, all these different cool um, spins on vegan food representing different cultures. And so if you have one of those in your area, that's a really great way to like connect personally with the food without having to make it yourself, yourself all the time. Yes. Or when you're traveling, yeah. definitely use like the Happy Cow app or um, even just searching vegan and the type of cuisine you're looking for on Yelp to make sure that if you are going somewhere, you don't miss out on really cool spots. Like Tony mentioned, um, Southern food. There's so many cool vegan soul food restaurants opening up all over the place that are just really great to experience. And then when you do experience them, you can think about like, hmm, how is this dish made? And like, can I recreate it at home for myself and my family? Uh, And you can just kind of build slowly your repertoire of recipes from there. Yes, I think that's a great idea. And also, I was going to mention the Another way to find people maybe in the community you're looking for is TikTok. Actually, you could type in, in the search bar, it's easier to find things versus Instagram. You can type in like, say like vegan Jamaican food or the Jamaican dish you're looking for with the word vegan. And even if it's not hashtagged, usually TikTok will still direct you there. So that's a really good way to find uh, people as well. Also, there are a lot of fantastic cookbooks that are out and that are coming out that are um, cultural specific. So so some off the top of my head are like the one that I mentioned earlier, Viva Vegan. That was Mm -hmm. way, way, way back when. But then also um, Provecho, that's the new one. Uh, And that's by Edgar Ra. There's the Korean Vegan Uh, There are so many others as well. We'll try to link a few in the show notes, but just do a Google search, explore Amazon and or or Barnes and Noble or your local bookstore. And you'll, I'm sure you'll find something. And then also wanted to mention, Michelle was talking about restaurants. It doesn't have to be an entirely vegan restaurant. I know we mentioned vegan restaurants, but um, sometimes like at Mm, R.I.P. Shoki, but I love Japanese food and I love ramen. And that is something that Michelle and I bond over. Uh, We've shared so many special moments, uh, sad and happy over ramen, really good, fresh ramen. And our favorite place, which closed, unfortunately, during the pandemic, uh, was a non-vegan restaurant that had a vegan option that was fantastic. So um, just looking around the menus when you're, um, you could do that online or whether you're walking down the street and you see a restaurant, uh, checking out what they have and seeing or asking if, if they have anything vegan. There are a lot of awesome gems. Yes, that is such a good point. That's what I was thinking as well. Like a lot of Asian um, restaurants are always going to have vegan options. And then if you're going to like a cultural place, um, sometimes you won't see vegan on the menu, but you can always ask or just say, hey, can you do this, you know, whatever it is without the fish sauce or something like that. Um, And nowadays people are really beginning to be really understanding and aware of the word vegan or just different diet needs. So 
that's really helpful too. It's so yes. funny that you mentioned that because I am still in the mindset where I go somewhere and way overcomplicate things. And I'm like, does this have any blah, blah, blah? Or does this, does this have dairy? <laughs> Is there cheese? And they're like, so you mean vegan? And I'm like, oh, shoot, you know what that means. That's so cool. <laughs> yes. It is getting so much easier now that almost every restaurant has been asked a billion times, at least if you live in a more vegan friendly area. But um, it is helpful to go into those situations knowing, uh, depending on what type of cuisine you're eating at a restaurant for. So even if if it's like Italian food or Japanese food or whatever, uh, to have a sense going in of, of what types of things you need to usually look out for. Like Alexa was mentioning how if you're eating at an authentic Mexican restaurant, you might you might want to go in knowing, hey, I should check and see if there's chicken stock in the rice or, or lard in the beans. Um, and we actually just published a, a guide on World of Vegan, a, a vegan restaurant guide that kind of identifies many different categories of restaurants and what to look out for on each of them. So I will definitely link that in the show notes because that could be a, helpful if you're eating at a new spot for the first time. <laughs> Also, if you end up eating something that is not vegan and it's not the end of the world, it's okay, yeah. uh, <laughs> it, it will be okay. Michelle and I, I don't want to speak for Alexa because I don't know, but we've eaten things that we were for sure, we for sure thought were vegan and then they weren't. And oh, for example, it happens, yes. <laughs> for example, Michelle's guacamole story where she didn't realize that like she ate the whole thing and then was like, Oh shoot, this has sour cream in it. Uh, so it's just, it's, it's hard to know every ingredient that sneaks in. And so don't beat yourself up if, if it accidentally happens. Yeah. If you feel bad, you can remember, you can think of my story of when I took my entire workplace of animal advocates and vegans (laughs) to a, a Vietnamese soup place that I've been eating with at since I was a small child and they had a vegetarian section of the menu. And so I've been ordering this like pho soup. And I had always just assumed it was vegan because it was vegetarian and there was no meat in it Mm -hmm. and all these things. And then later after going there multiple times with this whole group of vegans, I found out that it was beef broth. And so it's just these things happen, right? You have to be gentle with yourself and remember that it happens to all of us, to the best of us, to the worst of us, to all of us. And as long as we're doing our best and learning and just, I knew not to do that next time, that's all you can take away from those situations. Oops. Yeah. Yes, we've all been there. <laughs> all right. Many well, stories like that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Alexa, for coming on and for sharing your experience. And we're going to link all of your channels so that people can check you out. And uh, we would just really appreciate your time and your kind, approachable um, content that you put out in the world. Aw, thank you so much, Tony and Michelle, for having me. It was a great time. A quick reminder to check out our sponsors of this episode, Maxine's Heavenly. You can find their amazing plant-based cookies at maxinesheavenly.com and in stores. But if you head to their website, you can get 25% off using the code PLANTS25. And you can find Moolis Animal-Free Whey Protein online at natreve.com, N-A-T-R-E-V-E.com, Amazon.com, and the Vitamin Shop and Fresh Time locations across the country. That was a great conversation with Alexa. I hope you enjoyed as well. And if you are interested in learning more about her, we're going to put her handles in the show notes. You can find her on Instagram and TikTok at Alexa Field Naturally. She has so much wisdom and is so kind. 
We hope that you're able to connect with her and support her. She's doing really great things and her food is fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much, Alexa, for coming on the show. And for any of you listening who maybe haven't connected with Tony or myself on TikTok, we are newer to the space. <laughs> but you can find Tony at Plant Based on a Budget on TikTok. And you can find World of Vegan at World of Vegan on TikTok. And we're having fun there. It's a it's a fun space to be sharing recipe videos on. So you can get a nice dose of entertainment there. Thank you so much as always for listening to the Plant Powered People podcast. You can find all our show notes and beyond at plantpoweredpodcast.com. And we will talk to you all in the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye.